This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord's already done a lot of good things for us this morning, and, and God is definitely in the house today. And this morning, this is the birthday party for Jesus. We're throwing a birthday party for Jesus. Who thinks that sounds good? Amen. You know, because truthfully, we all know this, this whole time of year is about Jesus' birth. It's his birthday. And a lot of people, they want to go and collect the presents, but they don't want to sell, you know, they don't want to invite Jesus to his own birthday party. And so today it is all about Jesus. Tomorrow it is all about Jesus. I'm thankful for the traditions and the beautiful sweaters, much like the one I'm wearing right now and the, the gifts for the kids and all that stuff. It's great. But we have to remember what the true reason for all of this is. And that brings me to the title this morning that I want to share with you. And it's this. What if Jesus had never been born? What if Jesus Christ had never been born and come into this world? I mean, that is the most terrifying thought that I can imagine. I I can't. I don't even want to picture going five minutes without Jesus. I can't picture going five minutes without Jesus. But if we could for a minute think about what if Jesus had never been born and come into this world? And if you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. But who in here has seen this movie? Well, your hands are already up, but the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, ushers, some of those hands don't need outlines. Anyway, so there's this movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. And if you're familiar, there's this man on there named George Bailey. You guys remember old George Bailey? Good old boy. Well, George, he goes into this depression and stuff like this, and he wishes that he had never been born. He says, this world would be better off if I had never even come into it. And of course, his little wish or prayer or whatever is granted. And he sees what it's like if the world had never had him in it. And he's, after a while, he sees that he really had a bigger impact than what he thought. For one, he saved his brother's life. Remember that? And his brother went on to be a Navy hero that saved a whole fleet of people and, and all this stuff. And he went, and he, as he goes on, he sees the impact that his one life Life had had on so many people. And by the end, he says, you know, he's crying and talking to the angel. What was his name? Clarence. I want to be born again. I, w- I wish I was born. Again. And so he gets to come back and, and, and it's a happy ending. And so he sees what his life was like. This world was like if he had never come into it. But I'm thinking, my goodness, if Jesus Christ had never come into this world, if you think things are bad right now, Brother, you have no idea how bad it would be if Jesus had never come into this world. I know I, for one, I wouldn't be alive because the name of Jesus healed me of cancer. I know that, I mean, I I know I wouldn't have kids. The name of Jesus, you know, healed me of being so I could have kids. And all the people in here, I'm looking at Dylan, came through stage four cancer this year. Dylan wouldn't be sitting here today if Jesus Christ had never been born. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And so we're going to look at, at, at four things today. I'll try to make this, you know, as, uh, as efficient as possible here. But I've got four things I want to look at uh, of how it would be if Jesus had never been born. So let's pray and we're going to get into God's word today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much that this is the season that we celebrate your birth. Jesus, I want to say happy birthday, and I want to say thank you for choosing to be born and come into this world and save people like myself. Lord, you are awesome. We love you, and I pray that today you will open up our hearts and minds to your word and speak to us in a great big way. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said... So I had a super hard time narrowing down this list because when you stop to think about what it would be like if Jesus had never been born. Literally thousands of things can start popping into your mind. So I've narrowed it down. But the first thing I'm going to say is this, is that you wouldn't be able to go directly to God. You would have no direct access to God. You'd have to go through a priest or something else. But if Jesus had never come into this world, you today, you wouldn't have direct access to God. And I want to show you a few verses here. Let's look at, first of all, John chapter 14 and verse 6. Thank you for your holy silence. John chapter 14, verse 6. All right, come on, wake up. We're not playing sleepy church today. This is 
Now, tonight's candlelight service will try to be nice and calm and quiet. And, and if you spill your candle wax on the new carpet, okay, Shaheem's going to choke slam you. So watch out. All right. Don't. Sp- well, all right. I, remind me later. We'll talk about that. All right. John 14, verse 6. It says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody is coming to the father except through me. That's a pretty big deal right there. Have you come to the father? Have you called upon the name of the Lord? If you have, then you know that you did it because of Jesus, because on your own, you're not good enough to get to God. You're not good enough to make your way to heaven, even though people try. Maybe if I give enough away, maybe if I do enough things. No, nobody is getting to heaven except through Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. And I know in our generation, we like to have options, don't we? I mean, we're, we got options for everything. Have you seen these new Coke machines that dispense about 3,000 different flavors of soda out of one spout? I'm like, that is, that is almost mind-blowing. I'm like, whoa. And I can't even use the thing. you got to, like, type and do it. Like, what is going on here? But you can get any flavor that, that you could possibly think of. And we're so used to options. If somebody tells one of us, nope, there's only one way, we get mad and throw a hissy fit and have a meltdown. No, I want it my way. I, 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 I'm going to do it my way. You know, you go to a restaurant and they're like, no, we, no special orders. We only make it one way. I'm out of here. Who are you to tell me how to live my life? No. But the word of God says Jesus is the only way. There is no other option. It's heaven or hell. That's it. Those are your choices. And there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If Jesus had never been born, I would not be going to heaven someday. I, I, I wouldn't be getting there. But because of what Jesus did, because of his choice, he made a way for us to have direct access to God the Father. And the good news is, is that Jesus is a free gift for everyone. You don't have to pay for Jesus. You don't have to earn Jesus. Jesus said, I love you enough that I just all I'm asking is that you'll believe in me and accept me. That's all there is to it. Believe on me. And Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No matter who you are, what you look like, where you're from. Everybody has a free chance at Jesus. Everybody can go to heaven if they'll call upon the name of the Lord and realize he's the only way. But I want to show you something else here. Two chapters over in John chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 23 and 24. John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. Who's thankful that Jesus chose to come into this earth? Amen. I think that's a good idea, Eddie. I think we should give Jesus a hand clap. Let's come on. I am glad that Jesus made the choice to be born because as you read, you know, people debate, well, these people killed Jesus and blah, blah, blah. And and listen, Jesus said, nobody can take my life away from me. I am willingly giving my life. Jesus chose to come into this earth. Jesus chose to die for our sins. He said, no one's taking my life. I'm giving it away. That's the gospel. That's the good news. John chapter 16, verse 23, Jesus says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You don't go to the father in your name. Father and Dave's name, I pray today. That's not going to get you anywhere, man. That'll get that'll that'll get you in trouble. But he said, you can go to the father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. Verse 24. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. And so he told us today that if you ask God, the father in the name of Jesus, he said, you can have whatever you ask for. Ask using my name and you will receive. I would think that I'd be a little bit more excited, honestly, right now than that. If somebody had come up and told me that I could just go to God the Father through the name of Jesus and I could ask and receive, I think I'd get pretty excited. 
I said today that you can ask using the name of Jesus and you will receive. And Jesus said you will have abundant joy. Have you ever got a prayer answered? Did you have joy or were you sad about it? Like, oh, man, he answered that prayer. I was really hoping he wouldn't. Then why pray it? No, he said, ask using my name. You will receive and you will have abundant joy. Man, I have had some prayers answered and it has brought me abundant joy. I've been extremely happy and joyful when God has come through and answered my prayers. And as we were worshiping a little bit ago, I was thinking back just over the course of this year. I'm looking out over this crowd right here. I see so many answered prayers that I'm just staring at right now. Uh, people healed of things. You've prayed for loved ones that are actually sitting in this room right now. I've seen so many answered prayers just over 2017. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, Lord. You are so good. Your mercy endures forever. Your word actually works. Lord, you are good. And he said, it'll bring you abundant joy. Just ask using my name and you shall receive. And so think about that. Jesus says you can go directly to God Almighty himself if you use my name. That is so powerful that I don't think that you fully comprehend it right now. That you, me, you, us, living in Barstow right now, we have direct access, not to the president, not to the governor, I don't need that, but I have access to somebody even more powerful than that. I can go to the creator of the universe, God Almighty, and have a conversation with him anytime I want to because of Jesus Christ. Using his name. That that is big news right there. If Jesus had not been born, you wouldn't have that direct access. You'd have to go to some priest. You'd have to. And I know Dr. Baker back there. He's a Ph.D. in Jewish studies and he's an expert on this. But we're going to look at the old covenant versus the new covenant. I don't want to bore you. So I'll go super fast on this. But the old covenant versus the new covenant. And I'm telling you this. You have no idea how good you have it right now. Has anyone here ever sinned? Okay, some of you are sinning at this very moment, about a good quarter of, alright, anyway, sinners, I've sinned. But when I sinned, I went to Jesus and repented and I asked for forgiveness. I didn't have to go slaughter a bull or, or stab a dove or something and burn it on an altar and make amends. So I, that would be awful to have to do, but that's how it used to be. If you committed a sin, you didn't just go directly up to God and say, I want to repent right now. You got to go tell the priest about you, all this stuff. It was crazy. But but listen, altogether under the old covenant, there were 613 laws that you had to keep. Covering every aspect of human behavior, it covered, uh, for instance, the males had to be circumcised. The Sabbath had to be observed and people had to obey hundreds of dietary social and hygienic laws. I mean, there were, they, you had to obey the law on how to clean yourself. It was to the T. And it's all, I mean, it's smart stuff. There's a lot of stuff in there that uh, you, we should be obeying. But no doubt about it. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's still wrong to, you know, kill your neighbor and, the, you know, all that great stuff. But at the same time, all these laws, they couldn't keep people from sinning. And when you did sin, you had to go to the priest and, and he was allowed to go into the presence of God once a year and make a sacrifice on the day of atonement. And, uh, and he was allowed to go the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies and make a sacrifice for your sins. But only him. You weren't allowed to go. And none of the other guys, only the high priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies. Now think about it this way. Because of Jesus being born, every single person, if you just received Jesus five minutes ago, you now have direct access to the very presence of God. Because of Jesus, you can go into the Holy of Holies and talk to God for yourself using the name of Jesus. That's pretty good news right there. That's pretty exciting right there that I don't have to have somebody else go talk to God. I can go directly and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to come to you this morning and give you thanks. And Lord, I have something that I'm dealing with right now and I want to talk to you about it. And you can go directly to God because Jesus made that way. And I'm just going to quote this verse. I can put it up there if they want. But Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Uh, to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. It says right there that you as a Christian can come boldly to the throne of grace. Isn't that incredible? 
that you, you don't have to come and say, God, it's me. Oh, please don't hit me. Don't hurt me, God. I'm, I, I'm so worthless. I, I, I'm not worth anything. I'm a real loser. But God, I'd like to beg thee. I would like to beg thee that I may come and thou mayest grant my wish. You don't have to come like that. You can come right in. Hey, God, it's me in the name of Jesus. I'm just coming in right now and I want to talk to you, Lord, because you can go boldly to the throne of grace. I heard Kenneth Copeland tell this story one time. He said he was going, he was facing a really bad situation. And so he stayed up all night praying. He was shouting and spitting and crying and weeping and, and, and all this stuff and, and just giving it everything he got. Then morning comes and he feels God say to him, what are you doing down there? He's like, oh, I'm storming the gates of heaven. He's like, what? You're storm. Why are you storm? He's like, yeah, I'm down. I'm storming the gates of heaven. I'm going to get my answer. And, and God says to him, why are you storming the gates of heaven when I told you you could come boldly to the throne of grace and come right up to me? Do you realize how far the gate is from the throne? That could be hundreds of miles. We don't know. But anyway, do you realize how far you are? You're stopping hundreds of miles short. I said you could come boldly to the throne of grace right into my presence and find help whenever you need it. So get up off the floor and quit spitting and screaming and crying and storming the gates of heaven. Come boldly to the throne of grace and tell me what you need. Isn't that good news? You don't have to sit there and cut yourself. And all. No, that's crazy. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. And it's not because you're so cool. It's because Jesus is so cool. It's because Jesus is so amazing that he came into this world. Let me show you one more verse for this point. First Timothy two, five, first Timothy, chapter two, verse five. And it is it is hard to narrow down the verses to choose. There are so many verses that I wanted to use this morning, but I'm guessing we didn't want to have an all-day Bible study, did we? Okay, I know my older brothers do. They told me they wanted to. So. <laughs> All right, First Timothy chapter two, verse five. In the New King James it says, "For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus." And so you can say, "Jesus, you're the man. You are the man, Jesus." There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I want to read this out of the Living Bible, not the New Living, but the Living Bible. It says that God is on one side and all the people on the other side. And Christ Jesus himself, a man, is between them to bring them together. Isn't that beautiful? That here's God, here's you. You had no way to reach him. So Jesus comes down and he's the mediator. He says, I want to bring you two together. I'm the man, Christ Jesus. There's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Think about that. Do you realize how far away from God you would be if Jesus hadn't come into this world? That's good news right there. Let's give the Lord another hand about that. All right, moving on. Number two, you would have no spiritual authority. Think about that. If Jesus hadn't come into this world and said, use my name, you would have no spiritual authority. Now, I want to look over at Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. Luke 10, 17 through 19. And sadly, too many Christians don't realize the authority that they have in the name of Jesus. Do you realize that you have authority in the name of Jesus? I mean, for real, you don't ask the devil to leave you alone. That's pathetic. Some people, oh, Lord, let the devil leave me alone, man. He's picking on me again, man. Don't do that. You have authority in the name of Jesus. You're a son of God, and you're begging the devil to leave you alone? Get up off the floor, man. Quit that stuff. You have authority in the name of Jesus. You command the devil to flee, and he has to. Amen? So Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. I say this a lot, but these are some of my favorite Bible verses. Luke 10, 17 through 19. And so Jesus had sent out a bunch of his disciples. And look what happens right here. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Let's say the name of Jesus together. Jesus. Even the demons obey when you use the name of Jesus. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. And so these guys are shocked. 
They went out and they used the name of Jesus. They they prayed for sick people that got healed. They cast devils out. And they're like, this is actually working. Oh, my gosh. And they come back to Jesus and they're like, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And Jesus is like, are you serious? Wow. I didn't know if it was this was a this is an experiment. I'm 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 as shocked as you are. It actually worked when you use my name. Whoa. He didn't say that. He's like, yes. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Apparently, Jesus was there when God gave the devil the boot out of heaven and God kicked his behind so fast and hard out of heaven that it looked like a bolt of lightning. Now, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how fast a bolt of lightning can strike there, but I know that's pretty fast. And so if that's how hard and fast that God kicked Jesus or kicked the devil out of heaven and Jesus saw this whole thing, he's not afraid of the devil. He's not like he wasn't shocked that the devil had to obey the name of Jesus. He's like, yes, I knew this the whole time. Don't be surprised. I knew this. He says, I am giving you authority over all the works of the enemy, over all the power of the enemy. I've given you authority. And so think about it this way. Anything in your life that's going on right now, whether it be depression, sickness, disease, lack, whatever it is. If it is a work of the devil, Jesus gave you authority over it. Just use my name. Just use my name. Just, use, just go in my name and you got it. Use the name of Jesus. He said, I, I mean, I'd be excited if he said, I'm going to give you authority over about 50% of the works of the enemy. I, I, hey, I, I would take those odds over 0%. But he said, I've given you authority over 100%. All. Now, I'm not like a Greek scholar, but I did look up the word all in the original Greek, and it means all. Everyone, everything, 100%. I have given you authority over all the works of the enemy. And yet, here we still have some Christians that have no idea what their authority is. I know one man in this church, in this room right now, I won't point him out, but he has owns his own business. And it was just the money has started drying up just shortly, a month ago. And so he gets a, a hold of the Believer's Authority book back there out of the bookstore. The Believer's Authority, great book. If you've read it, you know this. And he starts discovering the authority that he has in Jesus. This guy would text me about every other day about some new job that came. I mean, I, I would, I'm going to guess from what he's told me over the last two weeks, probably over $100,000 has come in and worked for him because he started claiming it in the name of Jesus and using the authority that comes in. And some people are like, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in that because I tried it and it didn't work. All right, let's talk about this here, Brotato Chip. You're going to tell me that because it didn't work for you, you don't believe it. So your experience, your opinion now holds more weight than the written word of God. Dude, if you got the guts to say that to God, go ahead. I don't have the guts. Even if I tried something and it seemed like it didn't work, I don't have the guts to tell God that his word isn't true. I'm going to say I fouled it up on my end somewhere. But there's no way that I'm going to say, well, I tried that and, it, and that, that verse doesn't work. That's a crock. You kidding me? You have the guts to say that to God Almighty, that his word doesn't work? Even if I tried it a thousand times and nothing happened, but the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, I'm going to go on there 1,001 times and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Because the word says it. I refuse to evaluate God's word versus my experience and take my experience and elevate it over the word of God. I don't I, I mean, you do what you're going to do. But for me, even if it hadn't worked a single time, I, even if it seemed like a prayer had never been answered, which I've had thousands of them answered. But even if it seemed like it had never happened, I don't have the guts to tell God your word is a lie. It said that this would happen and it didn't. And so it must be on your end because I didn't mess it up anywhere. Go ahead, man. You go get down with yourself. You do that. But I am not going to do that. If it didn't work, I screwed it up somewhere on my end. But God didn't make a mistake. And his word is true. Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. And sometimes our experiences and, and our feelings and the things around us, they'll, I mean, if I am if I am presented with something that's contrary to the word of God, I'm going to choose to say, well, that has to be a lie because God's word is true. 
You know, whenever sickness and diseases come to me and stuff like that, well, the devil's trying to hit me with 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 sickness again, and and I refuse to receive it. I, I re- this is a lie from the devil trying to kill me. And some people are like, no, you're lying to yourself, man. You're you're sick. And and of course, I acknowledge when the devil's coming against me with something. But check it out, God's word is true. You don't just try it and say, well, that didn't work for me. I'll try something else. I talked to one lady one time. She's like, I tried that. Listen, I don't believe in tithing. I was like, okay. I'm at work. I was at FedEx. I wasn't trying to go out and witness. She just came up to tell me this for some reason. I don't believe in tithing. Okay, why? Because I tried it and it didn't work. We tied three weeks straight and we're still in a mess. Do you think three weeks of tithing is going to overcome 20 years of bad financial decisions? Wow, you have more faith than I have. I, that's incredible. But, you know, it didn't work, so we just, we're to give up on it and quit. I'm like, okay, so because it didn't work for you, that must be a lie and it's not true. No, God's word is true. And if my situation isn't lining up with it, yeah, there's something wrong somewhere in between. But it is never on God's end because God's never wrong. He's never been wrong about anything. He's been right 1,000% of the time. That's why he never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus never changes because he doesn't need to change. You need to change. I, I would like to rewrite that verse for me. It says, David Samples is not the same. He changes yesterday, today, and forever. He changes every single day to get more and more like Jesus. Amen? But Jesus doesn't have to change. He's perfect. What would he change to? Even more perfect? He can't get any better. He is already where he needs to be. And I've got a long way to go. But I don't dare say, no, this one doesn't work. His word always works when we use it in faith and we believe him. Amen. Amen. I was thinking about uh, since I well, I don't see her here, but my sister-in-law in high school, I had to, to play basketball. I had to maintain a 76 percent grade point average. And so on my own, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to shock you. Hold on to your seats. Rip your chair. I am not the sharpest tool in the shed on some things. I know, especially math related issues. I'm not a math man. And so uh, I used to I'd have to call my sister-in-law, Ben's wife at night, and and she would I would give her the algebra problem. She would walk me through it. And and sometimes, you know, I, I would do all this, all the steps and still get it wrong. And then she'd say, no, that's that's not the right answer. This is the this is the answer over here. How stupid would it be of me to say, man, I came to you for help and you're going to tell me I'm wrong? How dare you? I can't believe that. I'm right. The book's wrong. And no, this this whole algebra thing, this is a fraud. It's a crock and it isn't true. I don't believe it because that's not what I came up with. And so I know some Christians or some people that are like that whole Bible for that, that verse that that use your faith. That's a crock. I tried it and didn't. That's not the answer I came up with. Well, so you're, again, you're smarter than God now. Listen, I, I had to make changes. I had to redo how I was doing the problem until I did get the right answer. And if I would retry it, I'd find out, oh yeah, I screwed this up over here. I just going to fix that. And then I'd come up with the right answer. But too many people have too much pride to admit, no, no, I, I don't, there's no, I didn't do anything wrong. I went to church four times last year. I, I put $10 to charity and I mean, I, I'm, I, I have got it all together right now. No, re-exam, rework it until you get the answer that God's book says. Because his book is always right, amen? And so, if Jesus had never been born, you would not have authority in this world, and, and, uh, and you, you would just be getting yourself kicked all through this life. Number three is this, we would not be a part of the family of God. Think about that. If Jesus... Had not been born. I know me. I, I wouldn't be a part of the family of God. I wasn't born into a Jewish family or anything like that. I would not be welcome. I would not be a part of the family of God if Jesus had never been born. Let me show you a few things here. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. Are we still having a good time today? Back row? Let me hear the back row. All right. You're back. Yeah. Tony Berry. What's up? All right. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. Now check this out. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are officially adopted into the family 
of God. And I love my family, most of them, but I there's I would so much rather be a part of the family of God. Romans eight verses 15 through 17, it says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. And so you have been adopted as God's own children for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. You're an heir of God. And you're sitting there saying no one's ever gave me anything. You kidding me? You're an heir of God almighty. That's worth more than all the money in this world. Do you realize what that entitles you to if you're an heir of God Almighty? I mean, we don't have time to go into your inheritance right now. But listen, you'd have to sit down and take notes for a long time to realize what you have inherited because of who your father is. Now, some people are like, well, I have a bad family in this world. They didn't leave me anything and, and blah, blah, blah. They're poor. And, and that doesn't matter because your true family the family of God, your inheritance, it says you are an heir of God. That's a big inheritance right there. And we will go into that some other time. But it says we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And I want to look down here at verse 29. Because this excites me. Verse 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus is my big brother. Yeah, Jesus, he's the first, but he's the oldest in the family. But Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus is our big brother. Now, listen, that's pretty good news. If Jesus is your big brother and you're getting picked on, who do you, you go to your big brother and say, man, they're picking on me over there. Come on. You go to your big brother. If the devil's punking you through life and stealing your money and slapping you around and you're crying like a little sissy, you go get your big brother. Get your big brother. He's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And, and listen to this. He is on your side. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's the same chapter right here. If God is for me, who can be against me? If Jesus had never come into this world, we wouldn't be a part of the family of God. But the good news is he did come into this world and we are a part of the family of God. We are heirs of God Almighty, and Jesus is just the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We have been adopted. Let me show you something else Jesus said. Mark chapter 3. Jesus takes this seriously. This isn't just something he said, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, they'll be in the family now. No, look what Jesus said when comparing his spiritual family to his own flesh family, his own natural family. Jesus put his spiritual family even above his natural family. Look at this. Mark chapter 3. Let's pick up verse 31. So who, lo- who loves Mary? It's not a trick question. This isn't a setup. All right. Okay. We're not going to pray to her or anything, but we love her. All right? She's a good lady. She did some good things, right? Good stuff. Good stuff right there. But, uh, but Mary, I mean, they're the mother of Jesus. And, of course, Jesus loved his mom. He see, he died on the cross. He's like, John, you need to look after my mom while I'm gone. This, this is your new mom here. And, and, and Mary, mom, this, this is your new son. So Jesus was a good firstborn son. Very good. But look what happens. Jesus is ministering one day, and some of his family shows up. So Jesus had brothers, and they were not very nice to him. They were a dysfunctional family in some in some instances. They put the fun in dysfunctional. They were, they were just they picked on Jesus and and all this stuff and and they they even mocked him at uh, different times. But they show up one day. Mark chapter three verse thirty one. It says, "Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, "Hey, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you." Jesus replied, "Who is my mother?" It's Mary, Jesus. We love her. What are you talking about? No. Who's my mother? Who are my bro- brothers? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus put off his own mom 
and his own brothers, his own blood brothers, he put them aside and said, listen, you guys in here that do the will of my father, this is my true brothers and my mom and my dad. I mean, it's not incredible that Jesus would say that. So I don't feel guilty. I don't feel bad saying I'm a part of the family of God. Uh, Jesus is my big brother. God is the father. I don't feel guilty or disrespectful saying that because that's how Jesus himself referred to. He said, anyone who does the will of my father, that's who my brothers are. That's who my real family is, is those who do the will of the father. And I get to tell you this. There's advantages with being born into the right family. Have you ever seen somebody that's just a real idiot, but they were born into the right family? Like they're rich, but they didn't do a thing to earn it. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, and in our day and age, you can be a complete moron and people like think you're incredible. They give you a TV show and they follow you around with cameras and, and you get a reality show. They put you on the what, E network or whatever that is. I mean, I think about there's some people that are some of the most famous people in this world and they've never done seriously like one good thing. They've not, they're, they haven't done anything intelligent. And I, you know, I'm not being a hater and being mean and a judger and all this stuff. But listen, some of the people that I see with their own TV shows that are multi-millionaires, I'm like, I don't get it. Why are they paying the millions of dollars that they, they're showing no, you know, no discernible job skills of any kind that there's just nothing good going on here, but people think they're cool. Well, the reason most of the time is they're just born into the right family. Dad already had money or something. They're like, well, let's give them a TV show and they'll make them famous. And 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 that and we get mad at them. We're like, oh, they're crazy and and all this stuff. But there's some things that I have in this life that I just have because I was born into the family of God. I didn't do a thing to earn them. I was just born in to the right family, the family of God, and that's the grace of God. Is that He says you can go to heaven, and it's not because of how good you are. It's because of how good Jesus is. I want to bless you. I want to do good things and I want to heal you. I want to provide for your needs. And it's not because of how good you are. It's because of how good Jesus is. I'm your father and I want to take care of you. And so there's some blessings I've got to admit that I have in this life that I don't deserve. I did nothing to earn them. I, I, I don't deserve to have them, but my heavenly father just gave them to me. Matthew 6:33 says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things you need will be added unto you. They'll be given to you." You mean to tell me all I got to do is seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he'll give me what I need? Yep. So I'm saying, just seek first the kingdom of God. And and it takes a real religious person to sometimes overanalyze the scripture. Don't you love that? When some, you you get a scripture like that and you're like, "Well, it says here, all right, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto me. And then someone says, all right, well, let's analyze that in the original. What does all mean? What does seek mean? First, the well, let's analyze that. Could that possibly be talking to you? I mean, you're not Jewish. Or, or could that be talking to you? You are Jewish. Could that be talking? And they over and, and people sometimes you'll get a scripture that could change your life. And some religious nut will come in and totally talk you out of it. That's not talking to you. That's talking to them. Really? Then how come when I did it, it works? I know one guy likes to debate about, well, Jesus name wasn't really Jesus. We just say that in the English and blah, blah, blah. Okay, who cares? I called upon the name of the Lord and I was saved and now I'm going to heaven. I had cancer and they laid hands on me in the name of Jesus and I got healed. I don't care how they pronounced it. It worked. If it works, quit overanalyzing it. Amen. And sometimes people just talk themselves right out of the blessings of God and argue for why they can't possibly have the things that the Bible says. And I'm too busy trying to to argue and find out what the Bible says I can have to try to find out what it says I can have. If it says I can have peace, I can have the peace that surpasses all human understanding. It shall guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't think that's for everyone. Well, it's for me. So back off, man. It's for me. If you don't want it, I'll take yours, too. I'll take your piece of the pie. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, that was written. All right. Fine. You don't want your joy. I'll take yours too, man. If you don't want your healing, send it over here. We'll find someone else. Listen, if you don't want what the Bible says you can have, fine. You don't have to have it, but I want it. I'll take your piece of the pie. And, and, and listen to me. God's word promises life and life more abundantly. John 10, 10. Amen. 
And some people, they're just too busy arguing why it couldn't possibly be for them. Quit arguing why the Bible's not true for you and start arguing why it is true for you and why you can have what God's word says you can have. Amen. Man, I went, I told you this story and I forgive my mom, but she shouldn't have done this. (laughs) All right. Sorry, mom. They're going to keep the ham from me? Seriously? You couldn't do that. All right. Anyway, so when I was about seven, a lot of you heard this story. She thought it would be cute to send us to this vacation Bible school that was out in the country, this little country church way out there. And, you know, it was cute, a little white church, this steeple. And most of the members had to be over 100 years old. They're neat, though. They're neat, neat people. Cool story. This one guy was in the Civil War. It was great. And, so anyway, but we go to this church, and and so I'm in this class, all these little kids, and this teacher reads the story of Jesus healing the man that was lowered down through the roof on the mat. And Jesus said, you know, your sins are forgiven. Take your mat and be healed. And the guy gets up and all the little kids are like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And this super old lady slams her Bible. But Jesus doesn't do stuff like that anymore. What? You're talking to a kid that got healed of cancer right here. And you're saying that Jesus doesn't heal stuff anymore? Now, I believe the Lord forgives me, but I was like, liar. You know, I was I was ticked off, man. You're going to tell me that Jesus doesn't heal anymore. When the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever, except for healing people. He don't do that no more. He still heals. He still saves. He still brings peace, love, joy, goodness, and all these things to those that will receive him. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is nothing that Jesus used to do that he doesn't do anymore. And there's nothing that he's just going to start doing that he just never... No, he's the exact same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus could heal the blind, then he can do it now. If Jesus could heal people back then and bring peace and restore relationships, he can still do it now because nobody took that power away. I haven't found anybody big and bad enough to beat Jesus up. I know the one time that the devil tried to mess with him, Jesus went down to hell. And uh, Colossians 2.15 says he made a show of him publicly. What does that mean? Jesus beat the devil up so stinking bad for three days. It was like a show. It was entertainment, man. He was just absolutely just in front of everybody down there. It says he spoiled principalities and powers, made a public spectacle of the devil right down there in hell. And so the devil tries to come and tell me what he's going to do to me. I'm saying, remember the last time you messed with my big brother? You want me to call him again? Come on. Come on. He embarrassed you, fool. And so you've got to get a hold of this. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if the word of God says that I can have it, I can have it. Amen? And so, yes, I'm thankful for Jesus. I am thankful that Jesus was born into this world. Oh my gosh. And and again, we lose sight of it, man. We take Jesus for granted. Come, Come on. I'm being real. We take Jesus for granted sometimes. We have things so good, especially where we live. I mean, think about all the places in this world that don't even have clean drinking water. I mean, I open bottled water every day and drink it. And, and, not, and I'm going to be totally honest with you. Never one time have I opened up a bottled water and said, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this clean drinking water. That's sad. I should. God has blessed me with so much. And you, I mean, if you're the poorest person in Barstow, you don't realize how good you really have it. And and I'm just I, I want us to get this. This is Jesus' birthday. This should be all about him. I know when it's you know one of the kids' birthdays or, or you know I, I mean we, we throw a party and and the whole day is all about that kid, right? And I know some adults that still do that on their birthday. That's cool too. You know they tell everybody, hey, it's my birthday. What are you going to get me? Just kidding. No, you're not. You were trying to get me to get you a gift anyway. That annoys me. But anyway, so but but check this out. There's some people like they they make a big deal out of their birthday. And for Jesus, I mean, there's can I get real? Can I? There's some people that didn't come to church this morning because they thought they didn't. We didn't have church on Christmas Eve. If there's any day of the whole year that we're going to have church, it's going to be on Christmas or Easter. 
I couldn't look at myself in the mirror if I didn't go to church on cruise. I'm just going to be honest. I'd be like, and I'm not being mean. I'm not, you know, if you don't go calling people and say, Pastor Dave made fun of you today. I did, but don't tell them that. Just, I'm just saying that, dude, it's Christmas and you didn't go to church. What's up with that? I don't get that. That's beyond me. If there's any day of the year that I'm going to go to church, it's going to be definitely Christmas and Easter. And, of course, I'm going to go every other Sunday because I love the Lord so much. But at the same time, and then I know some people, and I, I made a post this morning. Maybe I shouldn't have. But, but you know, I know some people that are like, man, oh, I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and my I would go, I would take a bullet for Jesus. You wouldn't die for your faith. You wouldn't even go to church for your faith. Number four, number four, if Jesus had never been born, we'd be slaves to the fear of death. And you're like, well, I don't quite get that one. We're going to get we're going to explain this. But if Jesus had never been born, you would be a slave to the fear of death. I want to look back at the book of Hebrews here. Chapter two, Hebrews chapter two. We are thankful for Jesus today. We are, oh my gosh, thankful for Jesus. And I can, I can't, I just look back at my life, all the times that I've been in my lowest moments and I've not even known what to do. Just saying his name has brought peace into my spirit, into my life. Even if it's been the worst day of my life, if I can just say Jesus and call upon his name. Wow. Just having access to that name is worth it all. Being able to call upon the name of the Lord. It has bailed me out, saved me from so many bad spots, just having the name of Jesus. So Hebrews 2, I want to look at two verses here real quick before I see the main one, just because I want to further prove to you that it's okay that I call Jesus my big brother. Hebrews 2, verse 11. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father, okay? So we got the same father, that would make us brothers. Anyway, that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters, Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people, is what he said to God. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Now, I want to show you this verse, verse 14. I stumbled across this beautiful little gem a couple years ago. I was reading one morning, and I've always wondered, what's the best way to explain Christianity to somebody? What's I mean, if somebody came up to me and said, can you just explain this whole Jesus thing? You've got one minute. I've always wondered, well, what would be the best way? I read these two verses, and this explains perfectly what Jesus is, who he is, and why he had to die for us. I mean, I, right here, I'm going to say this, I'm going to drop the mic and walk out of the room, and you're just going to mull this over for a minute. Hebrews 2, verse 14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. If Jesus was never a human, he couldn't die. Spirits don't die. If he was just a spirit, he never could have died. Jesus had to become a human being so he could die. He was born on that cold night with one purpose to grow up just so he could die. That was it. So he could grow up, be an adult, and die someday. So if Jesus had never been born, he never could have died. And because he died, he went to hell and he broke the power of death. Christians are no longer afraid of death. Christ, you can't threaten a Christian with death. You can't, I'm going to go to heaven. Streets of gold, mansions, you're kidding me? You think, I'm a, you think I'm afraid of going to heaven? It doesn't scare me at all. I'm looking forward to it. It's great. It's the best thing ever. But look at verse 15. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Because Jesus came and he died, he broke the power of death and he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. There are people in this world that are terrified of death. Death is the scariest thought for them because they have no idea what's going to happen or where they're going to go. And, and people may think I'm joking. I'm seriously not afraid of dying. I mean, I don't want it to happen right now, but I'm not afraid of dying. I'm going to go to heaven. There's nothing scary about heaven. It's the best thing ever. Now, check this out. And this may, this may rub some people the wrong way, too. I don't feel bad for Christians that die. 
I feel bad for their families, you know, and the ones they leave behind. But you can't feel bad for somebody that's in heaven. Do you realize how much better they have it than you? I'm jealous of them. They've got, I gotta put up with all this junk down here every day. I gotta put up with these crazy people in 2017 that take pictures of themselves every five minutes and post it on the internet. Dude, you don't gotta see that stuff in heaven. You're free from selfies, bro. Selfies are done. No more selfies, crying or pain. Listen, that's good news, man. This is good news. And so, as Christians, we don't have to be afraid of dying. We're no longer slaves to the fear of death. But if Jesus hadn't come, I'd be terrified of dying. Oh my gosh. I, I, if, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, that would probably consume my every day, man. Like, oh, is this going to be the day that I, is this going to be the big one? Is this going to be the day that takes me out? I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to be gone. My kids are going to be left to fend for themselves. My wife, they're going to be on their own. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I'd be terrified of dying, but I am not. Because Jesus Christ was born to the Virgin Mary. He grew up 33 years later and laid his life down. But even better than that, he didn't stay dead. Go dig all over Israel. You're not going to find the bones of Jesus anywhere. They're not there. Because he didn't stay dead. Jesus came back to life. And because he did, I can call upon him right now. He has the power to overcome Any problem that I could ever face. Cancer is afraid of the name of Jesus. Jesus isn't afraid of the name of cancer. Poverty, sickness, depression, divorce, all these things, they have to bow their knees at the name of Jesus. Because Paul wrote in Philippians that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so listen to me today. We'll, we'll start bringing it to a head here right now. But listen to me. Because Jesus was born, we don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to live our lives as slaves to fear. We're, we're, we're brothers and sisters with each other. We're brothers and sisters with Jesus himself. And God is our Father. And he said to us, Ask anything in my name. Go directly to the Father in my name. You can have anything that you ask for, as long as it's in line with God's will. You can ask for anything in my name. And so I think we should just take a second here and say, thank you, Jesus, for being born. You didn't have to do that. Nobody made, God didn't start spanking Jesus. You will go down there and be born and get crucified for them. Yes, you will go. No, nobody forced Jesus to come down here. He did it because he loved us so much for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Who's glad that Jesus was born? Let's go ahead and stand up together today. We're going to stand up together today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.